0: Thank you, You always helped me by reminding me to turn the recorder on. So now I have to say everything I just said. <laughs> um, so the, um, let's see, where was I, New Year's retreat, oh, we didn't have any, any, SFI didn't meet on Sunday night, the last two Sunday nights, so it's been a while, and in the many years, 15 years, something like that, um, that we've been meeting here. It's just rare that we're not here every week, really. And then t- not to be here for two weeks is a long time. And I spoke a little about the end of 2016 and the beginning of 2017, and about letting go of 2016. And and so then when I was at the retreat, one of the talks I gave was about letting go, and um, and it was um, a, it was. A little bit I was jumping off the talk that I've given here um, a number of weeks ago, and then today I was I was preparing, I wanted to talk about letting go again <laughs> because I really liked the talk I gave at the retreat and I thought, and more came, and so I thought it would be really um, uh, a good talk to begin the year with, about letting go, uh, and then I had to let go of my concern about giving the same talk three weeks ago, and then at the retreat, and then here. And it took a little while, but then I let go of my concern. So I am going to give the talk. And I wanted to start with a quote that I read at the retreat. I didn't read it here, and it's from Tanisaro Beku. And he said, he said, the Buddha's choice of the word nibbana. Right. Nibbana is a word that's translated as freedom or awakening or liberation. Nibbana Nirvana in Sanskrit Nibbana in Pali uh, The Buddha's choice of the word Nibbana which literally means the extinguishing of fire which literally means the extinguishing of fire derives from the way the physics of fire was viewed at his time and I, and I like and I'm even saying this while I'm quoting him, I like talking about this because he's pointing at the time and place and culture that the Buddha was teaching and how the Buddha spoke from the culture he was in and that's how he helped people understand the Dharma. And that's something that's true of Buddhism. Wherever it goes, it starts to speak in the language of the time and place and culture where it lands, whether it's in India or, or in Thailand or in China or Japan or in Tibet. Buddhism changes because it, it's a living Practice—it's a living religion that responds to the time and place and people that we're in. Uh, Now I'm forgetting something I forgot to do. (laughs) Now I'm going to figure out when to bring it into our to the talk, but I will. Um, And so the uh, uh, well, no. Now I'm letting go of my. regret and so I'm going to bring it in now. (laughs) So, because here's what I made an agreement with Barbara that we would do the the precepts before the talk and I totally forgot about it. So I'm just admitting my, uh, my limitations here to you all. And now Barbara's going to lead us, we're going to do the three refuges which are part of the Buddha's teaching since the time of the Buddha and it's the uh, refuge in Buddha Dharma Sangha, in awakening, in the truth of the way things are, and in the community of people who practice together. <coughs> Please.
1: And this is call in response. Uh, <coughs> Namo
0: Tassa Namo Tassa
1: Bhagavato Arihato Bhagavato Arihato Sama Sam Buddha Sa. Samma Sam Buddha Sa. Om Ashito Buddha. Om to Buddha. For the possibility of freedom. For the, for the possibility, possibility of, freedom. of freedom. For the potential for a
2: perfect awakening. For the potential
1: for perfect awakening. Nam Otassa. Nam Otassa. <speaking in foreign language> <speaking in foreign language> I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Buddha, I take refuge in Dharma, I take refuge in Dharma, I, 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 I take refuge in Sangha, I take refuge in Sangha, Dhyan good Salam me Dudhiyam pi da Dudyampi sar nam gacchami. Dudhiyam pi da gacchami. Dudhiyam pi
0: da gacchami. gacchami. Tadi ampi
1: budham sarvam gacchami. Budham sarvam gacchami. Tadi ampi dhammam sarvam gacchami. Tadi ampi dhammam sarvam gacchami. Tadi ampi samham
0: sarvam gacchami. Tadi ampi samgam Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you, Barbara. So, um, so the refuges are an offering that one can do or not do, just so you know. We didn't say that. You don't have to chant if you don't want to. But, um, but, it, but part of what the refuges do are point the heart and mind uh, at freedom, at the possibility of awakening, the possibility of discovering the truth, of understanding the truth, and the and the truth of our interconnectedness together, and that the potency of the sangha is part of what awakens us. And so the. Um, teaching that I would like to talk about about letting go and really it's it's really that the the Buddha um, equated letting go with freedom with freedom letting go with freedom so even when I titled the talk for myself I put letting letting go and then I put a little equal sign equals freedom and um, what uh, Tan said he said the Buddha's choice of the word nibbana which literally means the extinguishing of fire derives from the way that the physics of fire was viewed at his time and place. As fire burned, it was seen as clinging to, the, to its fuel. As fire burned, so the fire, like if the fire was burning, it would be clinging to the log, right? The fire would be clinging to the log as it was burning and when the fire and that he says as the fire burned it was seen as clinging to it its fuel in a state of entrapment and agitation right and when it went out it let go of its fuel growing calm and free This is how it was understood in that time and place, right? And he says, thus, when the Indian people of his time saw a fire going out, they did not feel that they were watching extinction. Rather, they were seeing a metaphorical lesson in how freedom could be attained by letting go. They could see a metaphorical lesson in how freedom could be attained by letting go. And so that's a beautiful understanding of what the Buddha was pointing at in terms of awakening, in terms of freedom. What does it mean to let go? and What's the import of letting go? <clears throat> and what is it to let go? What is it really to let go? what is it and you can all reflect a little you know what is it for you to let go or or how, what happens when you let go or what let me say it another way what happens when letting go happens what's your experience <coughs> when letting go happens cuz sometimes we we sometimes we let go and sometimes we can't let go and then letting go happens on its own at times And um, I was reflecting on this in a number of different ways, and I was thinking about um, what allows us to let go. And the other word that I like very much related to let go is what allows us to relax with the way things are, even when we don't like what the way things are, or even if when we don't want what the way things are. What allows us to relax with that? What allows us to let go of our reaction, so that we can respond to reality skillfully, kindly, um, intelligently, and even fiercely if that's what's needed. <clears throat> and um, and so when we reflect a little bit about um, letting go, you might think of what's the actual experience. Like when you can't let go of something, when you're holding on to something. What happens in your body when you're holding on, when you're grasping, when you're attached, when you're identified? What happens when you're not? What happens in your heart when you're grasping, or when you're identified, or when you know the right thing and you can't change something? And, Or you're upset, you want it to be a certain way and it's not a certain way. Or what happens in your mind? You ever watch how the mind can go over and over something? Like even when there's nothing we can do about it, it'll just go over and over and over. So this is a certain kind of dukkha that we're looking at. And the Buddha said, he said, I teach one thing. He said, I teach about dukkha. About if, if you're not familiar with the word dukkha, it's suffering. as a simple translation. He said, I teach suffering and the end of suffering. I teach one thing. I teach about suffering and the end of suffering. And so letting go is a key component of what he was pointing at, in terms of suffering and the end of suffering, and letting go of suffering. And there's all kinds of different ways that we hold on to things or we're attached to things or we're identified with things or we think it's I or me or mine and can last for a long time actually for some years, you know. But trust me about one thing, it won't last forever. And I mean that quite sincerely and it starts to show us something about the nature of reality when we start to see something we f- that feels like it's going to be here forever or it'll never change. It's just not the way things are. It's not the way reality is. And we see it in our meditation. Things change even when we don't want them to change or even when we do want them to change. They don't change fast enough often, but they still change. And there's, there's so there's a certain kind of mental attachment or holding on, or there's a certain kind of physical component to that attachment, or sometimes there's an emotional component to the holding on to something. <clears throat> and so you could consider what allows you, what allows you to let go when you're practicing or when you're not practicing, because Letting go happens at different times, different places, different situations. And I was considering, I was reflecting on my own experience of things letting go, how things let go. And I was noticing, um, here I'll I'll tell you, this is a pattern, a Eugene pattern, meaning you might not have the same pattern, you might have your own patterns, but I was watching how a certain pattern has started to relax or let go. And, um, and the retreat that I just did, you know, even though I was teaching the retreat, you always have a real retreat. If you're sitting a retreat, you definitely know you have a real retreat, but sometimes people who are sitting don't know that the teachers are having a real retreat, meaning it has its difficulties and it has its pluses and minuses and it has its dukkha and, and it's pra- you're practicing all the whole time and things start to let go or release and so I was there um, you know, for a week and, um, and it, was, it was a lovely retreat and, but f- what for me what, what, it, what I noticed is coming back it had freed me from something that I hadn't noticed so much, which is a certain habitual way of relating to my life. And and I've watched the habitual way be important to me since my accident a number of years ago. So I had a bad accident a number of years ago, took a long time to recover from the accident, and one of the things that supported me and was helpful was having a certain kind of structure in my life you know i get up i do my body practice i sit then i have breakfast then i do this then i do work on the computer then i do this then then i have a uh, lunch then i have a nap then i do but but a certain regularity a certain familiarity and and it Fine. That's you know. It's all kind of normal stuff what I'm describing, but what's interesting is watching. So going to retreat is takes me out of my box, right? My usual habit and familiar and ritualized sense of life, and it puts me in a, a different uh, world for a while, and it kind of um, unplugs me from that habit of how I've been living my life. And so then I come home and I see, oh, I don't have to live in that habit. I, I could do whatever I want. You know, relatively, I can't quite do anything I want, but there, there are some things have to get done. But given I have an odd schedule, right, meaning it's a certain flexibility in my schedule, I don't have to keep doing the same things every day at the same time in the same way and I just was watching the freedom of that coming back, like something let go in me that needed to be there for quite a while, but it doesn't need to be here anymore. It's not, whatever was needed for the recovery, that's, that's not needed now. And so I was, I was aware of something letting go. I didn't even know it, w- it was a problem. I wouldn't even say it was actually a problem. It was what was needed for a while. But reality is not fixed in any way, and at times it changes radically. And so it was a very interesting, it got highlighted in my consciousness since I've been back from the retreat about I don't have to sit every morning right at 7 o'clock. I don't have to get up at 5.30, I don't have to, you know, I could do it, it could just happen a little more rather than me doing it. And so it's something let go about me doing my life. And of course, I want to be careful here because I'm still doing my life. You know, I showed up here at the right time and I know how to do that. But, but there was something else, some, psychic holding on to something that started and has feels like it's let go a bit and maybe it'll come back maybe it'll be more maybe it won't we'll see but but i noticed that i felt a lot more relaxed that i didn't have to follow this schedule that didn't have to be so rigid right because a little bit, I have that fluidity in my life. And so I've just been reflecting on uh, letting go for myself as I've been preparing for this talk. And there was one word that I also used, I've used it here, and I like it, and I'm going to use it again because I think it's helpful. I used it on the retreat, and I had, uh, people were appreciative of that when I talk to them. And it's about thoughts and feelings that we're identified with. There's something to pay attention to because it's totally normal, right? Anybody here not have thoughts or feelings, Mm -hmm. right? Okay, everybody, right? We all do. That's a totally normal human experience. But have you ever noticed that you have thoughts that you're not identified with? Anybody not have thoughts that they're not identified with? Like, if, if you look in my mind, and I'm happy to give you a big magnifying glass, and you look and say, you'll see I have a lot of thoughts that I'm not thinking. They're doing themselves. Like, I don't even want them to be there and they come. You ever, anybody, am I the only one? Right. You know, like thoughts or, or, or ideas or memories or all kinds of stuff that just comes. And But some things are strong. Some things have some charge. And so some thoughts I'm cathected to, that's a word I wanted to put in the room, meaning it has an energetic charge, that thought. It's not just an abstract thought, or it's not just something, but it's something I'm connected to. Even if I don't want the thought to be there, it's there and it's got a charge. I'm pissed, or I'm angry, or I'm wanting something, or I'm afraid of something, or I'm anxious about something. It's got some life to it. It's got this charge to it, and that's part of what the word cathexis points to about a thought or a feeling. Because I also have some feelings that are just they are feelings. They're just emotions, you know, and they come, they go. They're not a big deal, and some are really important. Like some are, these are my feelings, and I'm happy that they're here. not happy that they're here. There's some, there's some cathexis to the feeling of its mine, And so I just want to add that into our reflection about what makes it a little difficult sometimes to let go when we're cathected to the idea or the belief or the memory some memories were cathected to very strongly and they may be really good or they may be not good memories often were cathected to bad memories or or suffering that we've experienced in the past and it doesn't mean i want to be careful because i'm not saying oh yeah get rid of all of that you have to throw all that away no that that's information we want that tells us something about life, about reality, about how we want to live our life, how we want to respond to life, because we don't want to continue the suffering, or we don't want the suffering to continue for others. And so discernment becomes an important part of our reflection about seeing what letting go is and what it isn't, and what's the value of letting go, because because letting go is not about dissociating from our bodies and our hearts and our minds. It's about being right here with our body, with our heart, with our mind, and with our intelligence and our compassion and our, our wisdom that can be gained by living a real life, a human life. And part of what letting go also points us at is paradox. And I, over and over again, I keep feeling like paradox is just such an important part of dharma and what the Buddha was teaching. Because he didn't do, oh, it's A or B. He did, oh yeah, it could be A and it could be B, and it could be A and B, and it could be neither A and B. And all of that makes life a little paradoxical, because as far as I can tell, life is a little paradoxical. And letting go also has its paradoxical component, meaning um, that we can do letting go, right? We can let go of some things. And I say this many times when I talk about letting go. We we can let go, but when we let go, when we can let go, it's really easy. It's simple. It's not a big, okay, I'm going to let go of this pen. God, no, I'm not connected to the pen. But if it's my pen, and it costs $14,000, it's one of those really fancy pens that I think our new president has one of those, and he, you know, he don't, you don't just drop the $14,000 pen, right? It's my pen, right? Because it's worth something, and, you know, but really, who cares, right, about a pen? Why would one get upset about a pen? And. Um, so letting go can happen sometimes, but when we're identified, when we're cathected, when we believe it's mine or me or I, we get much more tight around it. It becomes much more, it becomes harder to let go. And that's why meditation practice is so helpful, because we, we, we don't have to let go mechanically, and and I don't believe we can let go mechanically. What meditation practice offers us is the opportunity to be with the experience that we're identified with, that we're connected to, that we believe is I, me, or mine, and see what's the truth of that experience. What is that made up of? What is it that we're believing is I, me, or mine? And that can then, by by starting to practice, the Dharma reveals itself. It begins; things begin to let go on their own. It's not us doing the letting go. Here's how Ajahn Chah put it. He said, "Do not try to become anything. Do not." And Ajahn Chah, for those who don't know, is my teachers was my teacher's teacher, one of my teachers, Jack Cornfield's teacher. And Ajahn Chah said, do not try to become anything. Do not make yourself into anything. Do not become a meditator. How's that for a meditation teacher? Well, he wasn't, he was a dharma teacher. He said, do not make yourself into anything. Do not, do not be a meditator. Do not become enlightened. Isn't that great teaching? because it's not mechanical what's being pointed at. He says, do not not be a meditator. Do not become enlightened. When you sit, let it be. When you walk, let it be. Grasp at nothing, resist nothing. This is Ajahn Ajahn Chah talking about the skill of letting go is allowing ourselves just to be and to start to see what is the beingness of being a human being? What is the beingness of what's right here? Because we all know how to do a lot of things, right? Anybody here not know how to do things? right? It's, you know, but we're not human doings. We're human beings. And the beingness is underdeveloped, is is not trained for most of us. And it's such a beautiful, I love his teaching, right? Don't become a meditator, don't get enlightened, just sit, let it be. Or sometimes they say, it, when you sit, just sit. When you walk, just walk. It's so simple. It's pointing at the simplicity of being and how everything comes from that. And it's not just in the Buddhist tradition, in the Christian tradition, St. John of the Cross, he put it slightly differently but similar. He said that that thou may have pleasure in everything, seek pleasure in nothing. That thou may have pleasure in everything, seek pleasure in nothing. That thou may know everything, seek to know nothing. That thou may possess things seek to possess nothing that thou may be everything seek to be nothing and you hear the paradox of what he's saying right how do we how do we have pleasure in everything don't seek for pleasure in anything how do you know everything don't seek to know anything he's pointing at the simplicity of being in a different way. Right? If you want to possess everything, don't, don't try to possess anything. And if you want to be everything, don't try to be anything. And of course, this whole teaching of letting go is in many, in, is talked about in many ways, and here's in the Theravada tradition, which you were asking me about the different traditions. So insight meditation, um, uh, Vipassana comes out of the Theravada tradition of Buddhism, which is the earliest Buddhist tradition. It's often, Theravada is sometimes translated as the, um, the lineage of the elders, because it's, it's older than the Mahayana or the Vajrayana, or it's older than the traditions that really grew up in um, China or Japan or Tibet or Bhutan. Right, it's it's really from the from the Buddha's own mouth is what the Theravada say, Because right, they're a little prejudiced for the Theravada, and uh, but this is from uh, Ajahn Sumedho, and he's talking about letting go, and because he he really likes letting go, and the Theravada also is a little de- here. I'm giving you a little backstory in Buddhism. It's denigrated a little by the Mahayana and the Vajrayana, right? The Theravada is, the, is known as the lesser vehicle, and the Mahayana is the greater vehicle. And I forget what they call the Vajrayana. Anybody know it's a, not the greater, it's something else vehicle. <coughs> it's the tantric vehicle as part of it, but anyhow. So the Theravada is known as the lesser vehicle. But, and so Sumedho, who's been a monk for 50 years, he's, he's very proud of the lesserness of the lesser vehicle. And he said this, he said, the practice of letting go is very effective for minds obsessed by compulsive thinking. You simplify your meditation practice down to just two words, your whole practice, just down to two words, let go. Your whole meditation practice, you simplify it to two words, let go. Rather than trying to develop this practice and then develop that practice, achieve this or go into that or understand this, You know, or or read the suttas or study the Abhidharma and then learn Pali and Sanskrit and then study the uh, Madhyamaka or the Prajnaparamita or get ordinations in the Hinayana, Mahayana, Vajrayana write books, and become a world-renowned authority on Buddhism. Instead of becoming the world's expert on Buddhism and being invited to great international Buddhist conferences, just let go, let go, let go." And then he, he gets a little more personal. He says, I did nothing but this for about two years. Every time I try to understand or figure things out, I just say, let go, let go, until the desire would fade out. So I'm making, a very, I'm making it very simple for you to save you from getting caught in incredible amounts of suffering. There's nothing more sorrowful than having to attend international Buddhist conferences. <laughs> so let go. And so part of what the letting go can allow is a certain kind of opening of consciousness, because really that's what it's pointing at, how consciousness holds on to things in order so we feel okay. And that's very normal, that's how egos develop, that's what happens for egos. Egos always want something to hold on to because Egoic reality is constructed and the Buddha pointed at a freedom that was unconstructed. And so as we let go, consciousness starts to relax or simplify or open and we start to see what we are or what's here that is, might not be constructed may not be ego identity or the usual sense of I, me, and mine. And so it, Buddhism again points to this paradox of both the importance of identification and non-identification or disidentification. And it's paradoxical because it doesn't say throw away anything, get rid of anything. Oh, you're bad because you think or you feel or you have an identity or anything like that. It's much more like Robert Frost said. He said, the best way out is always through. The best way out is always through. And that's what meditation is saying. Oh, you sit with the experience and let go of having to do anything about it. Simply be with the experience and then the beingness starts to light up. The beingness of who and what we are starts to reveal itself or illuminate itself because it's already here. That's what's beautiful. That's why you don't have to create it. It's part of this reality. Here, I'll um, be speaking a lot tonight. Let's see, I'd like to make some play for you all. Okay, I'm going to read one more quote. It's from Devi, who was a tantric teacher. And um, she said people, her students would come to her and say, I've had trouble letting go. And she'd say, that's normal. Everybody wants to let go. But how do you let go if you don't hold things, if you don't touch things in full consciousness? And this is part of the paradox. This is why sitting with leads to being with leads to a natural letting go. She says, how do you get to hold, how do you let go if you don't hold things, if you don't touch things in full consciousness with a totally open heart? The first thing is having the experience of contact, profound contact with things, with the universe. Everything begins here, touching the universe deeply. If you let go before touching deeply, that can bring on turmoil. Excuse me. Many beginning yogis make that mistake. They let go before taking hold. The heart is never opened. They enter into a sterile void, or we would say a sterile emptiness, and remain imprisoned. When you touch deeply, you no longer need to let go. That occurs naturally. And it's really starting to let our consciousness permeate our experience and to have our experience very fully and see what it is because all experience is impermanent or all experience is empty and empty doesn't mean nothing it means it's not solid and the emptiness is naturally lets go of things I'll end with just one last little Buddhist quote from Ajahn Chah. He said, if you let go a little, you will have a little happiness. If you let go a lot, you will have a lot of happiness. If you let go completely, you will be free. So, a few thoughts, reflections about letting go. Any Thoughts of your own, reactions, reflections, agree, disagree, always love to hear what you're thinking, feeling, how the talk lands or doesn't land. Questions are always good. Robin?
3: My name is Robin. Can you hear me now? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I'm reading a book right now about power.
0: About power? Yes. And um, (coughs)
3: it talks about the modes in which people act on a day-to-day basis. The what? Modes. Modes. um, M-O-D-E.
0: M-O-D-E. Modes. Okay. The modes of power.
3: Um, The modes of just human experience, Okay. Um, basically like filters through which people view reality. Mm -hmm. Um, The whole premise of the book is to um, dissect one's own bullshit and to work through it as a means of being able to better see what's going on in the hearts of other people so as to be able to affect them more efficiently. And it's easier to do that if one doesn't have those colored glasses, or blue colored glasses, or green colored glasses.
0: Um, So if your glasses are clear, you can see clearer. Okay. So
3: yeah, um, a lot of it, um, it it centers on this whole idea of something called a PMA, a parasitic memory activation.
0: That sounds um, like something.
3: Yeah, so basically. um, you see socks on the floor, and they're not just socks, yeah. um, it's something that an abusive father left, yeah. or they're a symbol of rebellion right. by someone who may have um, been very disrespectful on a continuous basis. So one something. has
0: associations with the socks.
3: Yeah, and that sets a tape in play that's an automatic reflex, that's hard to ex- extract oneself from, it's a, the, the reflex becomes identified
0: with. Right, right. Then, the association we yeah. identify with. And is so the whole
3: idea of, is to be able to recognize what's going on internally, uh-huh. and then to observe it and back away from it, mm-hmm. um, as a means of becoming something called imperturbable, um, or a serene lake, so
0: to speak. Right. So, yeah, so if, if, if you see something with some awareness, you're not so identified or connected in my language to the thing. And so you see the object, the sock, and also you see the association, right? And so in the language that I've used a lot this year, last year, <laughs> is awareness is not bound to what it's aware of, right? Okay, great. Okay. And is there more?
3: Um, And so it goes on and it talks about what I just finished for the second time. It was actually the first part I read in the book originally, and now I'm back to the middle of the book. I just finished (coughs) the chapter about what powerlessness is.
0: What power? Power Power Powerlessness. Powerlessness, okay. And
3: it's the whole idea that um, not only am I all these feelings, but I'm at the mercy of things that are not me. Mm-hmm. Um, it refers to the foreground of everything that happens outside of me, the midground as to the things that I'm aware of that other people may not be aware of, and the background being the subconscious mind that usually ends up hijacking people and making them have automatic behaviors. Right. And um, powerless is characterized by this whole idea of blame placing. If such and such would change, then blank would change. Okay or it was, you know so and so wasn't such an asshole then I would be happy
0: okay um, so what's is there a question or
3: um, I, I hear you talking about um letting go mm-hmm. and the, you know this book talks about taking responsibility mm-hmm. and saying oh, I actually can, (coughs) or I actually have a choice. And on this face, those two things seem to be contradictory, Uh but I have a feeling that um, they might be the same thing.
0: Well, great, great question about what does it mean? Does letting go mean you don't take responsibility, or do anything, or act, or be proactive about anything? And that's not what letting go is saying. Letting go is pointing a lot um, at a different level of the intrapsychic reality. And so, of course, you know, I'm, for me to let go doesn't mean I don't come here when I'm, it's 7 o'clock on Sunday evening, right? But, but if I have a reaction before it to come, I let go of believing the reaction. I want to see, oh, yeah, I'm reacting. I don't want to go tonight. I'm tired, or I'm, I don't have a talk ready, or, you know, I've been doing it, you know, I can have reactions about anything, right? And I can feel powerless because I made a commitment, and I'm, and, but there's, that's one level of feeling maybe I'm tired or something and I'm having a reaction, or maybe I had a bad day, and it's getting expressed, and oh yeah, I don't want to have to go do something else now at seven o'clock. And when I see that and that relaxes and then I see oh I feel tender or I feel hurt or something else happened earlier today that was hard for me and that's really why I'm not wanting to go. And so I can let go of each thing as it's understood by being aware of it. <laughs> because when I'm aware of it I'm not as I to it and then then reality can function more with less suffering. Okay. Thank you. Great. Thank you.
2: Hi, I'm Patrick. I think this is a really short question.
0: (laughs) Okay, let's see how short you can make it.
2: You'll just like, um, in your answer, impart wisdom to me and everything will be better. Of course. So thank you in advance. Sure, (laughs) I appreciate Um, it.
0: You're welcome in advance. Next. During
2: your your talk, at one point you were talking about something and you said that it could happen Inside of, as part of your practice, or outside of your practice, yeah. and I was startled. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the, the idea of something being outside my practice uh-huh. didn't mean anything to me, and I, I was like, what? What am I not understanding? I thought everything was my practice, mm-hmm. so then I thought I better ask.
0: Um, so. Uh, Okay, I have many responses to that. First, I want to put a gold star on your forehead. Because, <laughs> of course, everything is your practice, totally. And yet many people here may be much more newer to practice. A lot of people come here on, you know, on Sunday night, it's really we want to welcome everybody, even if you're new, and you don't think, oh, everything's practice a lot of people think of practice as meditation, right? And so, and meaning formal meditation. And you may not think that way, but I would guess that you did at some point. I mean, at least I did. Let me say it that way. So I used to think, oh, sitting is what practice is. And then after, you know, a while, 5, 10, 20, 30 years, I realized, oh, no, everything is practice. And so, I appreciate your not, uh, letting me reify that idea but i definitely want people to hear that who may think that sitting formally is what practice is cuz it is
2: it's part of it's something you do as part of your practice but so is everything else okay thank you
0: sure <laughs> Is there one last great question? <coughs> or one last horrible question <laughs> either way? Okay. Go is quick question too? I'm
4: not done with the first question.
0: Not done with the first yeah. which first. But,
4: well, what I was thinking about was that that fire on the log. Uh-huh, and, yeah And I identified like the fire is almost like, you know, maybe my anger my distress <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. and I, I've been in a real tough period with that and I can see now I have some relief now and I can see that I was very much involved in trying to solve my way through the problem right and um, this urgency to take action and and the, and the very real pressure of time uh-huh. um and I also really appreciate what you said about holding something. So right when, when, the, when the situation just completely rocked me and there was nowhere else to go, right. guess what? I start, I'm feeling better for like no reason and nothing has changed.
0: Right, that's right.
4: And okay. now I'm calmer. Uh-huh. I'm able to tolerate uh, a little bit better the feelings okay. and talk myself through it like it's gonna be okay. But I worry a little bit about not having that urgency to take action. I I, I don't know what to do with that. Whoa, whoa,
0: slow down. So here, from the place you're at right now where you're not feeling the urgency, is there an actual urgent need for action to be taken? That's a really good question. So, so, but, now, but remember, investigation is a key part of Dharma practice. And so that's one of the things you want to investigate right now. Because sometimes we may not, the, the, ur- the internal urgency, my body contracting and me feeling really, you know, totally uptight about it, can relax. And yet I see, oh yeah, now this needs to happen. And that's coming from a different place, from your intelligence and your heartfulness and your, your wisdom.
4: And it's a risk.
0: It's always, life's a risk. You
4: know, like, there's time, but there's not a lot of time.
0: Right. Well, so. you'll see.
4: Yeah, so what I'm doing right now is just trying to be with the truth of what is really true right now. Mm-hmm. Like right now, it's time to cool out.
0: Okay, so, great. That,
4: and if I'm cooling out, though, I'm not taking action, which scares right. me. Right. Well, and I have that, to sit with that, like, every day.
0: Right, well, it's good to be aware of the fear, because the fear, if you're wrong, you're going to find out. But the fear itself is not helpful.
4: If I'm wrong, like, if I did the wrong thing, it should have been... You know, should have ran and caught the bus faster.
0: You know, you know, we do the best you can. That's right. what we're all doing. Have you right. noticed that's all of what humanity is doing is doing the best it can? No, I, I don't mean that in a denigrating way, because that's what's happening, and we and we want to do the best we can, and we don't always know exactly the right thing at the right time.
4: Yeah. And then you
0: just forgive yourself. Absolutely, yep, that's a whole nother Dharma talk about <laughs> forgiveness. But but yes, you do, and and that's why at some point of practice we can forgive everybody because there's a lot of shit that's done that's bad, and that's mistake because of people's prejudice and ignorance and unconsciousness and nationalism. I mean, I could go with all the isms, right? You know. Wars. I mean, it's horrible, and at some point you can forgive everything. It doesn't mean you agree with any of it, but you you're not holding it in the same way in your heart and mind, because the you know um, there was some I can't remember what Sharon Salzberg's book was, what she said about compassion is you discover a heart as wide as the world. Well. Let's stop here because we're out of time and I want to be a little bit compassionate to the sexton who is really happy with us if we leave here at the right time. So let's just sit for a minute before we end.